Namaste. And we welcome you today on the 12th day of February 2022 to our series, Savitri is the Message, with our beloved Alok. And we are on page 540 in the Book of Yoga. Her body's thoughts climbed from her conscious limbs and carried their yearnings to its mystic crown, where nature's murmurs meet the ineffable. But for the mortal, prisoned in outward mind, all must present their passports at its door. Disguised, they must don the official cap and mask, or pass as manufacturers of the brain unknown their secret truth and hidden source. Only to the inner mind they speak direct, put on a body and assume a voice. Their passage seen, their message heard and known, their birthplace and their natal mark revealed, and stand confessed to an immortal sight our nature's messengers to the witness soul. Very powerful passage. So, Savitri has, uh, the background is that Savitri has received the command, Anul thyself, so that only God may be. Anul thyself, that only Only God God may be. be. Yes. So, uh, how does one go about this process? So, uh, the Gita describes, Sri has spoken about it, stand back from the machinery of nature. So, when we learn to stand back from the machinery of nature, initially, the, it's the some part of the mind which stands back. Not necessarily the deeper inner being or the soul. But that's okay. One starts with that and if one is not to stay stuck there, As some forms of meditation, one can stay stuck there and even mistake this subtle ego uh, born out of the, uh, you know, higher layers of the mind as the soul. But one stands back, then one becomes a student of oneself. There is a very interesting word in the Gita, Swadhyaya, a student of oneself. That's how it's translated. (laughs) You know, it's not about reading a book, (laughs) but a student of oneself. So, Savitri has become a student of oneself. Is it tantamount to the witness soul? Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. It tantamounts to the witness soul through this process. In the beginning, it is the higher parts of the mind which observe. So as we begin to witness, then Savitri is describing the entire machinery. So what we read is a description that on one side, when she stands away, she observes how these thoughts are coming sailing from the higher realm because she has already arrived at the awakening of the Kundalini and the Chakras Mm. that's there in Mm. Canto 5 yes so initially in this Canto there is a description of again those centers which open up and she can distinguish where is what coming from mother would often um, decide based on that that in a particular music a certain note or when a person speaks a certain word a certain kind of speech she could sense it in a particular chakra as a kind of vibration and she knew where it is coming from, the source. She didn't have to listen or have a scholarly, okay, you are saying something very nice based on 
X, Y, Z. She could see it from where it is coming. So she has become a student of oneself, and she sees very interesting. Her body's thoughts climbed from her conscious limbs and carried their yearnings to its mystic crown. So normally, see this uh, passage, which is described from below upward, is from the spine. But she is describing from the very limbs. Everything is conscious. So the entire passage from below and from above, because before this there is a description as the thoughts come sailing from above. Where we read, I'll just read a couple of lines um, in the previous page. There is a seeing will pondered between the brows, thoughts, glistening angels stood behind the brain. In flashing armor, folding hands of prayer, and poured heaven's rays into the earthly form. This is the actual description of thought standing behind the brain and then entering the brain. See, there is a very interesting uh, conversation of the mother uh, in in one of her talks, evening talks. She says people often think that you know people ask questions and she answered. That's uh, ignorance. She was the one who was pouring in the, putting in the questions. And she at one place, there is an interesting humorous aside to it, which Taradi told me. Most of the questions she used to ask, 75%. So, one day her father told her, Are you the only foolish girl in this whole thing that you have to keep asking questions? It, it was in Punjabi, so I must, you know, for those who may have the original humor. Tu ikalli ek murkh ladki hai jo hai. Nobody else asks. You are the only one who asks. He says, what shall I do? And then, um, later on, mother describes that she used to send these questions in the form of a, uh, she describes it like a blue light, like a plane, you know, those paper planes. And they would enter the head and the person would ask a question. The entire Gita is about that. There is this Arjuna watch and uh, San, you know Krishna watch is a two ways of looking at the fact that both are Krishna watch. He brings out from Arjuna those things which are hidden inside because he doesn't want it to come up in the middle of the war. That's how Shivinda describes it as the action of the Vaishnavi Maya. So, uh, but very few people were asking questions. So you'll see that very interestingly, uh, so maybe sadly. 58, 59, then mother stopped going to the playground for question-answer session. And people were, um, why has she stopped? So Taradi went and asked, there in growing up with the mother, exact words I may not remember. And she asked, why did you, uh, mother, why have you stopped the class? It was so nice. She said, who is there to listen? These are her words. She would often say that yeah. to them. She said, you're all asleep. Who is there to listen? So what is the point of taking classes? And then Taradi had tears in her eyes because she had never expected like that. Then she's asked, Mother, can I bring, you know, some questions and you'll reply. So that's how, you know, many of these thoughts and aphorisms were done while she was in her room. So this is the whole story that she puts the questions and then she answers them. So this is what she is seeing that how uh, thoughts are coming and entering the brain. This is a very important aspect because very often in uh, medical science or you know uh, neurologists they believe 
erroneously that brain generates thoughts now how can brain which is a activity of neurons which are unconscious how can it generate thoughts which are conscious and climb up to mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, be a sage thought or a seer thought so from the spiritual point of view brain is just an instrument like computer is a instrument supposing somebody says computer is generating thoughts we'll say oh you don't know how the computer works it's foolish what do you mean i see the thoughts coming i see the sentences coming up on computer well there is a man sitting out there who is typing out so the same way the brain is just an instrument and that explains one of the challenges of the yoga until the brain itself becomes supple to receive the different impacts when these thoughts enter the brain they will take a narrow form so here he describes that uh, she describes they don the official mask this is what we'll read now so when these thoughts come but for the mortal present in outward mind so these thoughts are standing back and they are knocking at the door of the brain but that's us ha ah, speaking of us mortal mind is us so may i come in may i come in so then what happens all must present their passports at its door what is the passport reason so then when intuition comes it must take a rational form otherwise it's very difficult for the human mind to accept it so of course this passport and uh, entry of thoughts um, official acceptable things which we find acceptable this is very common and it's one of the things going on in the whole world without knowing things will present themselves in very acceptable ways because our human consciousness will not accept certain things at least a developed consciousness so what happens the human mind tends to give a justifying reason for whatever thought it experiences that's how people do sometimes people use worst kind of justification which is spiritual justification the gita says you can kill anybody in a state of detached there is another kind where you know somebody say says something to someone and both are sadhaks and if the person reacts so he says aren't you supposed to practice equanimity now this is the one of the grossest misuses <laughs> you practice equanimity you can't hit somebody and say you practice equanimity <laughs> but all the time this is how it happens that they have to wear an acceptable mask that acceptable mask is reason for human beings who have developed to a certain point below that it's all animal play animals don't have to justify themselves but human beings have an innate necessity of justifying their actions they have to refer it to the buddhi so very beautifully shubhendra describes it that in the beginning when buddhi begins to appear buddhi is what actually distinguishes if we look at it carefully a human animal from a human being otherwise people are just driven by desires instincts impulses fancies but buddhi is the sign uh, that it's a humanity so things need to be referred to buddhi but in the beginning buddhi is very new entrant so it is used by the vital and the you know animal mind to justify itself it uses buddhi hires it so everything is justified by the buddhi after some time is like a you know is too young a child so after some time buddhi says enough of it like a child when the child grows up says no 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 i have my own say 
So the buddhi begins to tell us what is to be done and what is not to be done. And this is a proviso till the soul steps into the front. Then it's a different story altogether. So here he's describing when the she's you know when the thoughts enter into Savitri's brain, they must wear an official cap. This is all in mortal mind, not in Savitri's brain, but what happens to us when they enter, if we don't find a reason for it, then we don't accept it. So most of the time intuition comes and takes this form. To be acceptable. So here is the description. But for the mortal prisoned in outward mind, all must present their passports at its door. Now someone was saying there is no humor in Savitri. There is so much humor in Savitri. Look at this line. Passport. Thoughts are coming and saying, where are you coming? Rational, rational, stamped, coming. Otherwise, the human mind will shut itself out. Disguised, they must don the official cap and mask. Mm. <laughs> official cap and mask is the reason. Rational, ah, mask. So then they, will, they are allowed entry, otherwise you are not allowed. No mask, no entry. Oh, oh. You may say, <laughs> I am a devotee. Devotee has no meaning. Mask. <laughs> Yeah, without mask, vaccination certificate, you are not allowed. So this is how official cap and mask or pass as manufacturers of the brain. If sometimes it is like you, you don't receive it like that. But oh, I think, manufacturers of the brain. Now if I think, that's how I think. Then you don't have to have any reason or anything. I think that is enough. Who is this I? It's like generated in the brain. But no, it is coming from several sources. Thoughts are circulating in this world like desires. So what happens with desires that, you know, you go to a market, you have gone with a friend, not really planning to buy something. And suddenly you end up, okay, let me also buy. Or you have gone to buy one thing and you end up buying five things. Why? Because desires are circulating. Market is the hub of desires. Similarly, there are thoughts which are circulating. So we pick up and catch and that is the reason why it is so important to have the atmosphere of people around us who have beautiful thoughts. Let us be in the company of such people. Now, we don't find such company and obviously when people are around, it's not only thought but vital and everything which comes in. So in the company of good books. Why? Because then these thoughts create an atmosphere and we can receive because thoughts are like that, they will enter. That's why satsang, all these things were, um, they used to be one of the ways of life, you know, earlier. But now, of course, it's like anybody and anywhere. I have a friend who said, the problem with Oroville is opinions. <laughs> <laughs> a cosmic world problem. Everybody has an opinion. Opinion is fine. Everybody has an opinion, everybody has a right to their opinion and they want to decide by discussing opinions, which is actually an impossibility. Opinions are like that. Probably 3,000 now in Oroville. Any number. <laughs> no, no, behind the 3,000 there will be 30 because, you know, always when we had seen during that, uh, the book controversy. Hmm. So what happened is that the matter within the ashram was very simple. About 90%, 95% people. 
I would your agree. letter was one of the first ones. You are, I count you as, you know, <laughs> where against the book, very clearly. 5% were non-committal and some other things were going on. Suddenly letters started coming from all over the world. People who had read, not read, including historians like uh, Mr. Guha, who is a complete leftist historian, they started writing letters. And then, you know, these letters were circulating all over as if they are equal, equally valid opinion. This was the worst misuse of democracy ever seen. Some people are saying this, some people are saying that. That's how it ended up. That there are different opinions. So some are saying this. But then there are others who like it and who are saying this. Whether they understand or not. I, uh, it took pains for me to tell them that these people were saying. Have they really read Mother and Shurbindo, their biographies? What, what are the credentials? But uh, viewpoints. So opinions are like that. In Thoughts and Aphorism, the mother describes how these opinions are like these little things which are all around. So... How to reconcile? Either you have to have somebody with a vision of truth. That was the whole idea of, let's say, a master in an ashram. He decides and people accept it because it's a vision of truth. When you don't have the vision of truth, the way to take a decision is refer back to what is the ideal, the highest ideal. And then follow that. But there comes the revolting mind. No? Democracy, it's my view versus your view. And that's how the world, in, in, uh, there is a writing of the mother in conversation in agenda, which I may just, since we are talking about mm. it. Yes. She said, the days of democracy are over. She doesn't talk of coming of dictatorship, but she speaks about people, just three or four, four or eight, who have the truth vision, they should govern the world and govern the place. In Auroville context, she says, and then she describes a very interesting experience where Shurabindu is playing with a ball. Just imagine Shurabindu playing with a ball. And the ball has become very worn out. And then he tells the mother, can you get me another ball? And the mother says that ball is democracy. It has outlived its purpose. Something else has to come. What that is, we may not know. No, she describes there that four to eight people who have the understanding of truth and she describes what will be their sign. She says that they will be white, plastic, compassionate, desireless, detached from things. They have no personal stakes involved, no personal interest involved mm. in whatever they are mm -hmm. doing. She describes all this. And then when they say, obviously they will also command that because you know when you see a man like that, people listen. But if they see that you are another person like everybody else, nobody is really much bothered. So she describes that how democracy and several places she says, she laughs, she says it's like um, a large number of people who cannot uh, understand and think they decide what the world would be like. And she speaks she of… She uses a word which, you know, idiotic, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she speaks of a divine anarchy that would be the best. That is subsequent. That is subsequent. the last. Subsequent. Yes. Exactly. The world starts with the anarchy of the uh, indeterminate mm -hmm. and it will lead to the anarchy of the supreme determinate when everybody lives according to the law of truth. But in the middle, the passage, there have to be people who govern this world and you know, and because otherwise, how do you go forward? So this is the path and she, all this is very clearly laid down. In her writings, there is no ambiguity. 
but um, not um, reading is a different is a bad habit we read everything except mother and shurvindo so mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean anyways so put on a body and assume a voice okay or pass as manufacturers of the brain unknown their secret truth and hidden source it looks like a very rational thought but actually its source is somewhere else we reason out we may give justifications or even explanations not necessarily justification but actually the impulsion may be coming from truth at one place the mother says something similar takes place between will and desire she says i can see the deformation she says if i plant a will in a particular person go and say this to x so it's a will which has gone inside the person has to go and say because he is moved by the divine will he says but the person when he receives it inside he doesn't know it is the divine will he feels an urge to say something and that urge he mixes with his own desires should i say should i not say reason comes in so in the end he deforms that will he communicates but it is a deformed will and one example of that was when uh that story many of us know but it's worth you know because how a yogi acts is very difficult to understand so there was this rich lady who stopped uh, in a car she was in a car and uh, the driver stopped there and said can i just go inside and come back the driver was a local person who had faith in mother and shurvindo just wanted to go there and so this lady is uh, sitting behind and she didn't she remained in the car and udarda was passing by so udarda felt like telling her you know it's said in the bible that it's much easier it's easier to make a camel pass through the tail of an to the eye of a needle than to make a rich man turn to god but he said oh my god how can i say this <laughs> this is you know i don't even know her so he went inside very proudly he tells mother mother today i practiced equanimity <laughs> i had this urge to tell but i restrained myself she said but i was the one who had put this thought inside you had you uttered this her life may have changed she may have stepped down and gone inside that what is this it would have given a shock to her outer mind so that's why we see in shurbindo has used a very unique way to give this shock to the mind see there are many books which are where he has written bringing it down to a still a logical structure in the higher mind you have logical structures beyond it is like intuition there are many writing which are completely intuitional but in books like the synthesis and the life divine you feel that he is arguing from a logical point of view people use the word arguing i just don't uh, understand uh, why do you use the word whom is he arguing with but anyways what he is doing is he is using that intuition through a rational structure he is releasing because he knows that's how human beings will receive it otherwise he could say it just as that and then people would read and then they will further argue and discuss and debate so he has used a very different way with thoughts and aphorisms and the mother says thoughts and aphorisms are like they just peers through they give a shock to the mind so you don't receive it by reason so your mind gets into a topsy turvy state one of them which you know that people who don't understand they will say that rama murdered rama the avatar murdered wali 
but to the person who can see he knows that you know it is it is a justified act it doesn't give any justification there but when you read it of course for some of us who are aware of the whole thing but to an other mind it can completely be shocking that what is he trying to say and there are many many aphorisms like that which one of the best ways to open the mind to higher truths is through thoughts and aphorisms mother said she uh, that this was a moment when he was transiting into the super mind so he has used this because when you go into the super mind the entire vision changes and some of the mother senses when someone asked about rama that uh, it is said that he walked into the river isn't it like a self harm or suicide she says whatever the avatar does is correct <laughs> it is done with a divine consciousness at the end of the story yeah. she doesn't and this is logical if he is divine whatever he has done carries the stamp of the divine but to the rational mind it's not understandable not acceptable so we see all these um, you know uh, so one of the best ways to shake us out of this prison of the mortal mind uh, once again his thoughts and aphorisms and of course savitri is ultimate well, so shiravindo also says in uh, i read a lot of him on thoughts yeah. and he says that none of our thoughts are, are our own yeah they're all coming in from these waves in the universe and he says one will accept the thought another one will refuse it the genius will accept something that he thinks is fantastic another one will say no but he says at the end the the one who says ah now i've got it he says ego sir ego <laughs> absolutely there is uh, there are several such examples where he has given about these thoughts entering thought mastery one of the practical things which i am sure many must have experienced is to step back before speech if you want to understand thought you'll see the thought is coming like this pushing you to speak troglodytes of the mind and it looks very innocuous hmm cave uh, cave dweller <laughs> cave dwellers is there in savitri that you know how the troglodytes of the hidden minds from the subconscious they will come climb up and you are on the verge of uttering and you catch it where is it going to lead and you stop it there so with speech this practice becomes very easy next step is thoughts where she speaks about observing your thoughts in dhammapada those who want to know about mastery of thought dhammapada is the wonderful book and the last one which she read in the during her evening classes because she felt the necessity of this she said we are not yet at thought mastery forget about the higher truth so the last conversations are the dhammapada though they come in volume 3 but actually they are in they are not done during 29 they are the last conversations 58 59 yeah that of that don't ask me the why <laughs> just humorously when somebody was coming to the ashram his wife was not well aware about what it is she knew she had faith but this man had been brought up here so she said acha i am all fine with it but tell me anything specific that i must know he said number 1 don't ask any questions don't try to understand anything number 
it was a humorous way of saying that with a human mind you won't understand it's so true because the divine mother's creation so don't ask me why it is put along with conversations volume 3 uh, but you can check it it is dhammapada is a teaching given at the end so so they come uh, pass as manufacturers or pass as manufacturers of the brain unknown their secret truth and hidden source so their these thoughts are coming from different levels right from the superconscious to the cosmic consciousness from all around from the subconscious they are arising and one has to observe them their passage seen oh no only unknown the... their secret truth and hidden source only to the inner mind they speak direct so if one is stepping back and beginning to live in the inner being and the inner mind one can catch these thoughts it is one of the practices through which one can actually enter into the inner mind put on a body and assume a voice so before the you see thought we take it as language you know we, we say that um but look at it it is very interesting different people speak different languages how does thought come so what we call as a language or word is actually a garb it must put on and if you enter into the domain where thought is born you don't need the language mother once when she was going on a walk with amrita one old lady suddenly caught her and started saying everything in tamil and crying and almost catching her feet and mother for half an hour heard her then whatever mother said she didn't say in tamil she but whatever she was very satisfied and went away and then amrita said mother you know tamil she said no i don't need to know tamil because you can get those vibrations which are being clothed in words and that's why if people want to avoid fight don't discuss don't debate don't catch thoughts and said you said this and you didn't say this i don't just, know if i said this just before, feel the vibrations inside <laughs> this was a story that pushpa patel told me that uh, they went to find they went to a, a go down that had lumber and they wanted to find logs to make new furniture for sri arbindo Mm-hmm. So mother went in with them and they chose all the logs and you know this story ah, but you say it ah. is beautiful yeah. okay and uh, <clears throat> and then they went out and they got in the car and mother goes back inside and they're calling her mother and mother come we're, we're ready to go and uh, then she walks out and she says there was one log that was calling to me and said please use me for sri arbindo's furniture wow and perhaps for people who may not be aware um there were furniture some pieces of furniture on which mother's gaze had fell and i remember once i needed a bed for someone from ashram department i am saying so the person pointed out that this bed is specialized in which way mother has seen this bed so there are such wonderful stories which are yeah so 
put on a body and assume a voice. So thought is not about words and speech. That is much later. That's why in Indian thought you'll see that there are four levels at which speech comes. Speech comes, and that's why very often when the word word is used with a capital W, shabd, people think it is a language word. The word is the vibration. That's why with the word this creation is born. The supreme vibration. It is comes down. It gets modified, modified. Finally, it takes the form of speech. And before that, sound. In animals, it's only sound. With human beings, it's speech. And it clothes itself into whatever is suitable. It enters and sees whatever language is there in the brain. <laughs> Conditioning picks it up and uh, enters. Their passage seen, their message heard and known, their birthplace and their natal mark revealed, and stand confessed to an immortal's sight, a nature's messengers to the witness soul. So it's only when one steps back, lives in the inner mind, that you can see where are they coming from. Otherwise they will look very innocuous. Very often they will... Say it's a small little thing It's just a thought What is there? Thought can build works Worlds There is a um, sentence in S's on the Gita Which had shaken me when long back I had read He speaks about thought That fathers this world Thought That is a power of thought And people who don't understand it Feel in today's state What is their books? Again, the freedom of things. Books, what is it? Each one's viewpoint. It has created so much confusion. Of course, humanity has to go through it. And yet people still don't understand the difference that this thought has come from another dimension altogether. So they are not all same in... um, Two little stories because you know it's very interesting. One was when in Delhi um, center, Shurbindo Society Center, I had walked in to look for Shurbindo's works. They had a library. And you'll be surprised they were all put casually. Three volumes of Shurbindo, Rajneesh, then somebody else. I was so surprised. So I started taking out all these trash books, I would say, put them below. Clean the place quietly because otherwise you are not allowed to do anything. The official people will do it. Another story which is even more interesting. Someone just told me, a 14-year-old boy in Kerala. And he told me the story that how he turned towards Mother and Shurabindu. So his brother first turned and he said he was like, you know, most people like that time and that area, atheist and what is all this and it's too big and all. So the brother came, probably attended a camp or something and then went back. So this boy, he says he wanted some now to read some books of Shurabindu and the mother. So he goes to a local village library and he asks them that, do you have Shurabindu's, I want to see some books. He said, no, 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 you go to the city, we have a small library, we don't have all these uh, books. So uh, he says, I can't go to the city. Okay, anyways, let me explore what I can find. He is drawn to a cupboard, broken, the the glass door, glass door is broken, the uh, cobwebs are around and there he sees Shurabindu's books. 
And when he was describing 14-year-old boy, I was so much shaken. And he said, I was so thrilled. The books were calling him. I said, that must have been. He said, yes, the books were calling me. That's how he enters the library. And despite the librarian telling him that, no, there is no such thing. He somehow enters and reaches there. And then, you know, he picked up and that's how the life changed. So, we must understand how these things happen. That's how Shirobindo is uh, revealing to us. Uh, it comes from different sources. It's a vibration which clothes itself, comes down, enters the brain. Depending upon our language, our you know, development, it takes on the official mask. And then it enters and touches the brain. And then it takes the form of speech and thought as we understand it or experience it. So, the yogin who has learned to step back, lives in the inner mind, can understand this whole process, can see where it is it coming from. <clears throat> Impenetrable, withheld from mortal sense, the inner chambers of the spirit's house disclose to her their happenings and their guests. Eyes look through crevices in the invisible wall. This invisible wall is the fence of nature within which we are caught. That's why people say we can't think beyond a point. Why? Because there is a fence. So if you try to think, you cannot. So one of the best way to break open the fence or neatly open the fence is by reading Shurabindu. It opens after some time. <laughs> so it can open on the lower end also. If one reads trash, junk, you don't know where it will open. So once this fence, this fence is actually guards us against the titan and the gods. That is the other part. The average normal humanity, so called. So it says that I can't understand these hi-fi things. Why? Because nature is not allowing this. This fence will not allow it. You have to open the fence. So it is like cart before the horse. So people don't read Sharbindo because they say, I cannot understand. Not realizing if you read, you will understand because this fence has to open. That is the whole catch. And that is the experience of people and Sharbindo's advice that if you read after some time, depending on the preparation, this fence opens. So here she is seeing, disclosed to her their happenings and their guests, what's happening inside. Eyes look through crevices in the invisible wall. And this what's happening inside is the most fascinating thing if we don't start indulging in it in an egoistic way. I read once something very interesting. Shubhinda says, someone asked him that if one is traveling in a train, you know, uh, what does one do? Passengers are discussing, all these things are happening. This is a perfect, beautiful time to observe human nature. Just imagine observe human nature. So much you can learn just by observing. And then you observe yourself. What are the responses arising within each one? Most often we don't know. We just react. So, self-observation. And through the secrecy of unseen doors, there came into mind's little frontal room. Then we say, my thought. That's where the ego that's why with regard to books and these things, Mother says, I don't believe in intellectual property. Rights about books. Copyrights. Copyrights. Yes, yes, that is written clearly. Yes. She doesn't believe in copyrights. 
that a different story there are human beings who believe in it because of the simp- shurbindos when he is physically present and i believe in saying all these things very honestly i said in uh, proper talks also radha krishnan he copied copy pasted <laughs> plagiarized and this was told to shurbindo Shubhendu said, "It's okay as long as these thoughts are going to do good." Discovery of India, Nehru's. I was reading, and I saw two passages. I said, "This letter is on yoga," and one of the passages is half on religion, something you know, because he has to prove a point. And it's not be. He has not even acknowledged this is Shubhendu. That's the worst thing. So I wrote a letter all the way. To the ashram, the time Harikan Bhai was there, I said this. I quoted the passage and I quoted letters on yoga, giving myself a pat on the back. Or they'll say, "Oh, so wonderful!" <laughs> I got such an insipid reply that after that, I thought, "What is the point?" Because you know the party was in power and whatever it must have been, it was like nobody is really interested in doing anything further. So I said, "Yeh kya?" <laughs> Clearly, passages too. I had I have seen maybe more. I don't know. Well, now we have Ken Wilber, oh, and he I says, uh, "Yeah, I have copyrighted the Integral Yoga. You cannot use it anymore in the ashram." <laughs> he should know there are two others who have done it before him. Yes, Divine Life copyrighted. Yes, I didn't want. He is a great man, so I didn't want to name him. <laughs> See. It is not his fault. See, that's what I am saying. There are human beings whom you can talk. He is a great yogi. I have without a doubt about it. He is a great yogi, a genuine, authentic yogi. But followers are followers. <laughs> what do you do if they? Yeah, yeah. So copyright means you can't use that word. If you use it, you have to pay royalty. That's what it means. So copyright always has within it, of course, the ego aspect, and the other is the. Uh, you know money aspect mm. i had started writing these articles in namaha in the beginning so we didn't have sufficient uh, people to write so they said who will write so i said okay i'll write so how many you'll write i said i'll write four five so how can it go i said no you I'll, i will write pseudonyms <laughs> they said but it won't be correct i said why amal kiran wrote like that for mother india so it's perfectly fine So since then, uh, for quite some time, even now moving forward, that doesn't have uh, any name. Uh, so I said, "What is the point of putting a name there? Anybody can use anything; uh, it doesn't matter." So they said, "No, no, the name is not for uh, you know. Don't think about recognition and all that. But if you don't put a name and there is a problem, whose neck will be available for the news?" I said, "Then it's okay." <laughs> Since then, otherwise it was very clear. Yeah. Whose ideas are they, anyways? Ideas don't belong to anybody. Even the body doesn't belong to you. Leave aside ideas; it belongs to the divine, and that's a basic thing that uh, I believe that human beings, even a dignified human being, not even yes. a yogi, yes. need to understand that ideas don't belong to anybody. Anyone, anybody can use them. And if they misuse it, their problem. People have asked me that you are just giving, telling them you use. What happens if somebody misuses? I said that's his problem, not mine. People mm-hmm. have used, misused all kinds of things in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> this is nothing. So here she describes that how one can see how they come and they enter the mind's little frontal room. What a description! Mm. Thoughts that enlarge our limited human range 
Why? Because they are coming from elsewhere. Now suddenly they open up the passages, lifted the ideals, half quenched or sinking torch or peered through the finite at the infinite. So what were these thoughts doing coming from higher ranges? Suddenly they entered the little frontal room where, you know, people are, this is, this is it, the limits of mortal understanding. And suddenly they touched and made the finite look at the infinite, gave a glimpse, awakened the seeking. That's why the mother says, if you don't understand Shurabindo, that's not a problem. Not reading Shurabindo is a problem. <laughs> it shows yes. complete intellectual lethargy, tamas or whatever else. At least for those who are turned towards Mother and Shubhinda and want to follow the path. I don't see a logic why one shouldn't read. I understand general masses, people don't want to read their issue. But if you want to follow the path, read. Now why? People say, I don't understand. Doesn't matter. She says, be quiet, read it. Read a little at a time. The words will create new brain cells for the understanding if necessary. So I feel not reading Shurabindu is a kind of insincerity or rather a lethargy, just tamas. Even if one passage doesn't matter, not that one has to read a whole book in one go. Read a little passage here, there, somewhere. But Sometimes she says one or two pages of Savitri is enough. Oh, that's the more than enough. <laughs> I think so also. <laughs> and uh, to add to this, uh, one of the things which I used to practice is to write the passages which used to strike. And I had my own logic about it. <laughs> the logic was, later on I came to know that in Indian thought it's called as Lippi Yoga. But I didn't know about this. So the logic was that, see, what is happening? When you are reading, your eyes are receiving. If you are reading aloud, your ears are receiving. So two most important faculties are seeing and hearing. Then it is going into the brain and I know which centers they are going. Eyes are going right behind and the hearing it is going to the sides. And then it will go to the integrative section of the brain. If you are holding the book, your touch also is involved. <laughs> and then, now it will not only stay there. Now a response has to come all the way through the neurological centers, into the nerves, into your hands and right. So it forms a full circuit. So I just love this idea. Of, <laughs> uh, I mean, now of course we have computers and all this and that was a phase when I would start the day before starting seeing patients, put on Sunilda's music for 10 minutes, then uh, read something from Savitri, something from the synthesis, then start writing. So I was very happy when I came here. Ah, I can Now I can do all this. My first contact was, do the work, don't do all this. So I said, okay, those happy days are gone there. <laughs> In Air Force, I could do it. 15 minutes, nobody to tell me. Quiet, just Sunilda's music. And put this, and so wonderful. Read and write. So, last few lines we'll read. A sight opened upon the invisible. That's how the inner sight begins to open. A sight opened upon the invisible. And sense the shapes that mortal eyes see not. The sounds that mortal listening cannot hear. The blissful sweetness of the intangible's touch. The objects that to us are empty air. Are there the stuff of daily experience and the common pabulum of sense and thought. So, in that inner mind and the inner domains, your sight opens up, 
your hearing opens, touch, sense. That's how people feel the divine presence. We'll close here, but before that, what the mother said about this. Last conversation in 1959 or 58, the book, where she says, but this is the last class. She says, human beings believe that only what they can touch, what they can see, what they can hear with these senses is real. They are actually prisoners. And as long as you are in that stage, there is no way you can take to the spiritual life. You have to understand that this is a prison. Because, and it's logical that this is a prison. My sight and hearing is limited in terms of range. I mean... One has to be just an intermediate student to understand this. One should have had just read elementary physics and biology that eyes pick up only this much, hearing picks up only this much, touch even less. These senses pick up so much more. Touch even less because these are the only really developed senses. Nature has developed them over a period of time. They are closest to the brain and all others are you know, different. And yet if we think that is the only thing that tells us about reality and evidence, then she says, one is in a prison and it's a long way to go. Namaste.